response to some questions. There's quite a few on Sankara because I've been talking about it, I guess, so it's my fault. Quite a few really to do with even the language, you know. It's uh, so we have something on. You refer to sankara as programs. I've also heard the term volition referring to them. What's the difference if there is one, or can programs and volitions be one the same? One the same. What, could you review, review briefly the difference between mental formations, sankharas, aggregates, and inclinations, and where does volition come in? Hmm. Regarding sankharas, how could in anxiety, fear, or depression be intentional sankharas? Are they originally chosen strategies? What's the difference between intentional sankharas and non-intentional sankharas? Yeah, well. See, it's... I'll get around to another bit here. How are sankharas stored? Their conditioned phenomena, thence they must arise and cease. What chooses which particular sankhara gets played out? Wisdom, discernment, or ignorance? If a particular sankhara or program creates its own conditions, conditions, perception, reactivity, it is fruitless to argue with the conditions. Does the argument or energy of resistance simply sustain and entrench a particular sankhara? Well, so, I'll just talk around things and see if I can just get back to the questions as I go along. So, remember, these are the Buddhas trying to, you know, find some word to cover a particular experience that he, he recognizes that for himself and others that's conducive or is, is bound up with uh, the experience of suffering and liberation, you know. So, um, and he notices that, that actually everything that seems to be a thing as, as, as they're experienced in the, in the experience of something, uh, 
what is experienced is actually fluid and flowing. We don't experience things, we're experiencing events, you know, like, like, um, you know, like you're watching a movie, it's, it's, it's an event. So, you, you, so what, what is experienced as a thing is really kind of an event impressing itself, you know, like a, a system or a, or a program or a, an energy form occurring rising, moving, changing, shifting. So in this way this is called the, the sankata the, or the, everything of this nature is sankata means it's been compounded or brought together or generated in some kind. So he's recognizing that and there's also the asankata, the unconditioned which is still and doesn't have the same um, uh, sense of arising and moving and changing and passing. So, so he's saying then there is freedom from the conditioned. And how how is that going to be arrived at? So when experiences happen, the experience comes up and is experienced as a um, say a sensation or you know, sensation really means a kind of a moment of form arising. There's a sense of it's agreeable or disagreeable, it's pleasant. There's a mental impression of that, called a perception. It's recognized as something. And it's got movement to it. This movement, you know, is the sankhara experience, is the energy that moves things along. And you can't, really kind of, you know, completely extract it. It's like saying speed, you know. Well, speed what? An ostrich or a car or a what? You know, it is always associated with something that it's speeding, it's moving along. Yeah. So saying car is not a thing. It's, it's, a, it's a, a name that refers to a particular aspect of experience, which means it's, it's volatile, it's movingness it's um in this way you know you can't so but then as it moving and and shifting and changing it also has a kind of uh, an intelligence to it that that uh, generates um forms or generates switches on um you know life itself so we know life is a shifting, changing thing. We're born and we never, no, nothing stays still. The cells are multiplying and dropping off and it's really, we're really a, a stream of events, not a, not an entity, right? We're not a kind of a, a thing. We're really just a constant stream of events, you know, even, even physically. Though, it, you know, it doesn't look like it, but if you could uh, see it at a kind of microcosmic level, you'd recognize that it's, it's a constant, this physical form, which seems solid, it's actually a constant stream of events, mm. of kind of cells and microbes and mitochondria and things floating around doing this stuff. Yeah. So, and as they do stuff, they, they also generate things, they create things, things are formed out of that patterning process. So all this all this is Sankara. <coughs> this 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 uh 
this uh, dynamic nature of of the formed, of the conditioned, of the born, of anything that manifests as this dynamic nature to it. And I guess that Buddha is pointing that out partly because when she recognized that there's no such thing as a thing, there's only events, if you could get to the to the what's generating those events, you could possibly switch it off, you know. <laughs> so it's not an annihilation of a thing, it's just the, that, he's, that he's looking at, but the turning off of a current, you know, of this Sankara current. Um, now, if we... So, one aspect of, of how this, this Sankara current what it does, what it, as, it, as it enters us, there's a physical quality to it. means it, it uh, keeps the sense of the body vitality is continually being moved along. So there's metabolism, there's oxygenation, there's all these processes that, that are bound up with a, a living body. Without these processes, the living body is not a living body. It's, it's dead. You know? So it's this process in the physical form is, is that dynamic. Now, in the, it's also um, switches on or, or is to do with the immaterial, we call mind, mind or heart, the immaterial. And this particular uh, experience or this particular channel, it uh, does a number of things. It kind of, it turns on the ability to give attention. You know, the mind can form an object, it can attend. It can direct. It can go this way or that way. You know, it can aim. That's it. That's called chetana, and um, so. And then it can also. It can. It's intelligent enough to receive an impression and calibrate it, or or, or oh, that's that. So this is contact. Something is touching. It forms a perception. It's, it's intelligent. In that, when. Um, uh, something you know there's an experience occurs or, or touches the mind you know or the mind then it gets a oh it's one of those so there's that particular spark flashing of contact without that there'd be no way of knowing anything if, if something nothing happened <laughs> you know like you hear something because the silence and something strikes the ear and, you know, and that so the the silence is interfered with. Hmm? So that interference pattern is what gives us the experience of something happens, doesn't it? Yeah. That's contact. It means something is registered. It's shifted from this state to that state. Now oh, we, we notice. So that, that, that contact. Yeah. Now the this is a very large area and uh, you know, we grope trying to find one word that would actually sum up this, this incredible process so uh, then various translators have done what they can to, to describe it then you get something that's fairly colourless in general like formations because um, um, there are particular 
habitual or, or processes there that, we're, that thinking always occurs like this. It's always that particular thing is thinking. That's what it's like. So it's, a, it's, it's recognizable as a form. It generates a form. It's a formation. Breathing in and out, we say, is a formation. It means it, it remains, even though it's dynamic, it remains as a recognizable, oh, that's that again. It's got a form to it. Hmm? So it's a bodily formation. Um, you know, we immediately recognize that. And it, and so it's got a particular track it goes in. Ment- heart formations or mental formations are always the sense of something, um, uh, perception and feeling occur. So whatever is felt in the mind is always perception and feeling. It's not sight, it's not sound, it's not touch, it's perception and feeling. So that means there's a particular form. If it's immaterial and it's, it's perceived, it has this experience of an impression and there's a feeling to it, you know, you know, oh, that's that. So because these things are just, we have no, we know nothing but these, you know, it's difficult to define something because it's so there all the time. You've got, what would it be like without it? How can you have a mind without mental formations? Hmm. Well, you know, the Buddha could. <laughs> so he could actually recognize what it's like when you, you come out of the unconditioned Nibbana cessation and suddenly, hey, oh, what's this? You know, stuff's happening, isn't that? You can actually define it. When you're living in it all the time, it's like like a fish would be able to define what water is. It's just normal, you know. Never. So there's, but these these are recognizable forms. The sense of something bursting within us is a perception. Suddenly, that the face of someone you know flashes up. That's a perception. The memory of a place you were living at flashes up. That's a perception. This is happening so so much all the time that we don't recognize what, what on earth is going on. <laughs> you know, that, you, that these things can, these experiences can happen. Uh, you know, the, the sense of something outside, seemingly outside, becomes something inside. <laughs> Without, you know, it doesn't kind of bore a hole through your skin. It, it's It's... It's transmitted, and there's, a, there's a, um, an internal recognition that takes a f- that brings up an impression of that. Yeah? You think of a car; the car doesn't have to get inside you, but the image of it arises. Right? So that which we take for granted—that's how we—that's what we call conscious experience—is the internalization of external phenomena. That's a perception. There's a program that does that. So and it, it's, it's, it's a for, formation in that it's formed and you can pretty much recognize there's another one, there's another one, there's another one. Mm-hmm. So while we're looking at its formations, which, which refers to the, you know, the, the results of that particular sankhara, it produces a formation. Mm-hmm. But then there's also another way of looking at it, which is it, it generates a formation. And actually, uh, um, there's the act of perceiving, and then there's the perception. But of course, the perception is much more recognizable than the act of perceiving, because the act of perceiving is very immediate. Yeah? 
So that, that <coughs> now, when it, your word um, uh, intention can refer to either deliberate choice or it can refer to um, something that uh, has a has a push to it. So, for example, you may not choose to be angry, but anger anger certainly directs us. It exerts volition. It says, push that away. Now, you may not decide, oh, I think I'll be angry, but when anger occurs, it has volition. It has push to it, doesn't it? It has an intention to it. So, the intention doesn't refer to the intention to be angry, but the nature of anger is to have an intent it has an intention to it right? it pushes the the nature of uh, of 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 compassion has an energy to it 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 directs it says oh let me look after you let me protect you yeah. so it's the intentionality is not i decide something but something pushes me that's that's the that's the intention that's the chitin and the push of it. It refers not to deliberate decision, but to the momentum that these sankharas have. They incline us in certain directions. Uh, now, it's also the case that we can think, oh, I'm going to go and grab that apple. Now, that's, that's a deliberate intention. Um, so this... Uh, but that really refers to sankapa, or the word sankapa, which is to do much more with uh, attitude, motivation, resolve, intentional thinking. You know, so that. But probably what occurs is that the we we some the apple strikes the eye, and the perception apple brings up. The volition, I want it. You know, a wordless, nah. And after that, nah, comes up the thought, I'm going to go over there and get that apple. So the volition starts kind of prior to the, to, to the thought formation, but prior to the decision, you know, to go and get it. You, the perception triggers a volition of some kind. So that that that's what the the, the chaitanya refers to the triggering of a, of a, of an inclination, <coughs> rather than the deliberate decision that may come after that triggering has occurred. I mean, you don't get the decision to go and get the apple unless you have the desire rise to get it, do you? So it's, it's the, the arising of the desire is 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 what the volition is. Yeah. Um, so these sankharas, <coughs> mental formations, is one of them. One area that they that they they occur in. So these are mental formations. Refers I would more call them um, heart or psychological formations. They're not thoughts. Mental formations are. These uh, current of perceptions and feelings, and 
you know, memory, short, short-term memories, you might say. Uh, you know, sometimes it's, they are, um, it's, so perception sometimes is kind of colloquially equi- uh, translated as memory, you know, which means not really the ability to remember that these little images, stream of images that arise when you think of your daughter or being in Florida or something or the other, you know, pop, 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 these little images pop up. Now, that, that popping up, that's the formation, that, that, that dynamic that throws this thing up into your consciousness, that's the, that's the sankara. The image is the perception. The thing that throws it up is this uh, sankara. Right? So it's one of them. And then you have thinking, or the ability to think, is a, called the verbal formation, which means you go, let me think, who's that? Oh, it's Jerry, you know, bop. <laughs> it throws up a name, you know, it comes up with a, with a, with a word, right? Or what's the capital of Liberia or somewhere? Bop, 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 or Monrovia, you know, wherever. So, and you notice that when you can't remember something, because you can always hear the cogs turning, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, yada, 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 keep talking, pretend you know who it is, your name will come up soon. <laughs> and, and then it clicks, you know, and then you, it's formed. So that, there was searching for that word, that's the, that's the, that's the Sankara, then it formed it, it succeeded. So that's the verbal formation, so you can witness that, particularly when you can't get the word, you can almost feel this kind of thing trying to get it together. And the bodily formation is, is the energy that governs breathing in and out. So <clears throat> that's, its most, that's its most obvious manifestation, the energy that governs breathing in and out. So you, know, you stop breathing, pretty soon you get something starts pushing. <laughs> yeah. I was pushing, and then you know you let go, and it it pushes. It it gets all the muscles to operate. Pushes the belly out, Um, so that and and so the pushing of the belly out governs the um, pulling down of the diaphragm. So the chest cavity expands. So it does all that, coordinates all that. But uh, the sankara doesn't refer to those muscles or the air. But the energy that gets it going, right? So that that's a sankara, and it's, and it's intentionality. Chetan it refers to the mental ones. You know, they, they, there's a certain, you know, push of of, of mental stuff. Now, when these terms are used, sometimes they're referring to the mental formation, sometimes they're referring to the whole package. Um, and then sometimes the Buddha is referring to the ethical quality of it, like this is a meritorious sankhara or a not meritorious one. So if the if the intention is, say, towards compassion or towards generosity or towards patience, then this is a bright sankhara, it's a meritorious one. And you get that inclination and then you act upon it. 
And you can have the inclination and not act upon it, or it's still the forming of that inclination, the forming of the inclination that does that, that's considered good or bright. It's actually looking for, and then, you know, so rather than for, forming an uh, unskillful one. Inclinations is really another way of looking at uh, uh, chaitana, volition. Sort of as a hovering tendencies that there are. (coughs) (coughs) Um, Where are if sankharas are in? What was it? If a particular sankara, if how are sankaras stored? Their conditioned phenomena, hence they must arise and cease. Well, it's kind of, it's not like cloud storage, you know. <laughs> yeah, because it's uh, um, where how are they stored? You know. It's like gravity, you know, it's just, just there. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's just, it's just there in, in life. It's just, it's just there. Um, they arise, their manifestations arise and cease. So they, they kind of come into consciousness and cease. But the basic, uh, forms of being able to perceive, being able to think, being able to breathe in and out, that energy is still there whether you're actually thinking on or or not. You still have that potential. You know. So if your mind goes quiet, then the 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 the, the verbal formation you might say it's it's resting. Um, so and then something triggers it and you start to think again. So it's activated. So ceasing doesn't mean annihilation, it just means resting. So if you consider ceasing to be more like resting than uh, non-existence, it's perhaps more useful. So things don't really begin and end, they arise and cease, which means they come into, they wake up, and then they subside. But they don't begin and end. Hmm? So there's a difference so that, that in that in those terms. So for example, you know, obviously the Buddha could as certainly many people well, meditators can stop thinking. But they they can start again. You know, they don't go brain dead. It just <laughs> So I thought it's just that it's like you know it's decided not to not to do anything, but it's still there as the tendency, as the underlying c- capacity mm, to do so. So it's just they're just like you could say it's just they're embedded in the life system itself, in the ma- psychological and material existence is sankara, you know, 
It's just what it's just embedded in it. So, but then you you get particular, you know, in, in essence. But then you get, you can say, particular patterns that it undertakes can cease and not be regenerated, such as ignorance. It doesn't have to be, you know, that can you can put it to 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 bed, and it and it it, it, it can stop, you know. Because it actually has not, it has no innate um, um, existence. So the sankharas are just innate to life itself. Fortunately, ignorance isn't. <laughs> so it's an addition, <laughs> or lack, you might say. Um, hatred is not innate; it's conditioned. It's, it's so you you may you certainly have the mind and heart and inclinations. Those can those can be a constant quality, but the inclination towards your will, the specific detail, that can be terminated because, you know, you see what I mean. The, the basic program of kaya, jitta, and vajisankara remains, but the particular tunes they're playing, they don't have to do those. Also, we have uh, you have another phrase term that's bear in mind is what's called anutsaya, underlying tendencies or proclivities, which means you know I I don't I don't I'm not angry I don't feel any anger at all I'm really a peaceful guy, and then somebody comes and does something nasty to me and you know I find out yeah I am an angry person because it, it was an underlying inclination, but it wasn't being triggered. So you, you get this state where those, all those energies are just dormant, held within the stream of the ongoing stream of sankhara, of mental, uh, of mental in, inclinations, but they're not being activated. It doesn't mean you don't have them, it just means they're not manifesting. Yeah. So... Um, uh, as we probably know, when you meditate, you find yourself feeling quite, you know, angry, depressed, anxious, when nothing's going on really, but it just comes welling up out of the stream. Um, so these are underlying tendencies, and. You know, you in a way, they have to be brought to light in order to be understood and cleared. So, you know, just because they haven't manifested doesn't mean they they've stopped. So this is totally like, takes quite a while and testing and checking and looking thoroughly and you know, deeply inquiring and going th- to find out if you still have that those anutsaya those tendencies. What chooses which particular sankara gets played out? Well, <clears throat> to a certain extent, it's called karma, <clears throat> and <clears throat> yeah. so. 
in accordance with um, the the tendencies and the inclinations that we've established or or what we've been preoccupied with that will arouse and um, strengthen a tendency of mind so whatever we preoccupy ourselves with you know, that will become a tendency in our mind say proc if we linger upon um, thoughts of ill will and then that becomes the dominant tendency so then this is called uh, you know so there's a, there's a karmic result of that if we linger upon and make much of thoughts of goodwill, then that becomes the dominant tendency. So you either incline and choose with wisdom, you know, and you begin to see, hey, I want to have more of the good stuff, or you find yourself propelled by habit. Um, it can either be blind habit or or these anutsas, latent tendencies, or deliberately bringing up perceptions, you know, and reflections that stimulate skillful tendencies. So the underlying, so but there's a, if you like, the what does that is the is the fundamental faith and understanding that we could choose and we could change. So we make some kind of effort to deliberately incline in, in, a, in a certain way. So a lot of the Buddha's teachings are there presenting things to the mind to say, well, reflect upon death, reflect upon these things, and it will help to make your mind less reckless and less, um, you know, reflect upon the happiness and the welfare of others and how that how you feel warmly affected by that and then that will help to incline your mind that way so some of these perceptions are deliberately offered as as reflections as things to linger on so that you know, get the perception the perception will trigger a certain inclination you know when we get the perception of say you know somebody talks about generosity, gratitude and friendship, those perceptions normally, oh, I'd rather like that. So there's the inclination to go that way. Yeah. So then this will be uh, something more conscious and deliberate. Otherwise we tend to just operate in terms of what we've of kind of habit stored up programs and these can be um, established through other people you know conditionings in certain ways into fear or hostility or um, you know so you you get you get programmed you get conditioned by other people therefore you you then as you act upon that conditioning you generate karma in that way Um, the Buddha seem to have a, a vision and understanding that some of this comes from previous lives. There are habits and tendencies laid down through in previous lives that per- persist in that ongoing field 
of, of the dynamic of the life stream. So we are, um, his vision was that he could, you know, I don't have this vision, but I can accept it uh, and work with it. That uh, he could see that right, you know, recording the life stream right back through life, pre many previous lives, you could see this generated that and this generated that and this goes this way. It wasn't just him, it was everybody was faring along in accordance with their karma. So then the karma, the, 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 the fundamental tendencies that are laid down, then will tend to be the ones that dominantly shape where you're going. Hmm? But, you know, it's never, there's always some possibility that we will, because we are conscious, we will be able to, you know, the fact that we've been granted the human birth, which means that human being can step back and reflect. They're not just blind instinct. We can begin, we can learn, we can change it, we can turn it around. So it's, yeah, you know, I have this strong tendency and I don't know why, but uh, notice it. Hey, I notice it causes pain in others. It doesn't, has a bad feeling. Oh. And then somebody says, like a Buddha says, you don't have to be that way, you could change it. And, oh, so then you make the efforts to change it. So that's the, the arising of wisdom comes. And, and wisdom is innate to human beings because we have this quality of the human consciousness which can be conscious of what we're doing. You know, it can actually note oh, I'm doing this, rather than just doing it, which is consciousness, the human consciousness does it and knows you're doing it. <laughs> because of that, because of that human potential, we can notice what we're doing and, oh, and with a bit of encouragement, reflect upon it and it doesn't feel very good. And then, you know, so when you have the other potential we have as human beings is moral conscience human beings have I mean, it doesn't feel so good and then we have something called faith or sadha which means we, we're prepared to try something new prepared to, I don't know if it's going to work but I'll try faith so we have these built in uh, it's precious and then you get something like a, a wise teaching it, triggers your faith think, yeah that's worth trying faith isn't belief it means that the confidence to try something new you go forth in faith you know I'll try that and then that wisdom faith and um, moral concern can then determine or select um, different different um, programs to, to run Sankara are not, they're not bad or good, but innately they're just life. Um, but there are meritorious ones or unskillful ones and skillful ones. And they're headed by volition, but in terms of the mind, the mental ones, or the, they're associated with um, attention, the ability to ch- shift our focus, 
create a focus. They're associated with uh, um, intentionality, some volitional push, and uh, contact impressions. Ability to register and receive something and get it. You know, that's what contact's about. So anxiety, fear and depression, how could they be intentional sankharas? Because they have that, um, one doesn't intend to be anxious, but anxiety has an intention, an inclination to it, which is uh, searching for protection. That's its inclination. Depression, searching for annihilation, searching to not exist. So it's, it has an inclination. Yeah, it's good to, you know, with a, a concept such as this and a word like this, you can see why it is a, um, take some chewing. But try to take a little bit and really look at your own experience and see what's happening. Remember the very. I found it very helpful. I think of Jnana Tiloka. I think it was all Jnana Pornika, saying, "Well, you know, the five aggregates themselves are really they're just notional. You know, it's just the one way of describing experience. You know, breaking them into five. So it's like you have an apple, and you have the redness of the apple, the roundness of the apple, the weight of the apple, the texture of the apple. Now you can't say." Or take the colour red off the apple and hang it up in the air. <laughs> you know, it's the apple, the redness of the apple, which you might say, you know, it's bound up with the apple. It's not something you can separate. It's just one way of describing it. So the five aggregates are like, um, you look at it this way and you see the colour. That's that. And then you look at it another way and you feel the weight. So you have experience has a particular form to it. But you can't have a form that's just sort of standing on its own. <laughs> you know, form has to have a consciousness, otherwise you wouldn't, you couldn't experience it, could you? So form always, you know, implies there's a consciousness experiencing it. But you could say there's the form, there's the consciousness, but you can't separate them. I mean, you can discern them, but you can't have a consciousness without well, an ordinary consciousness without some form it's conscious of, right? You can't, you can't have vision without seeing something, <laughs> right? And as soon as you're seeing, as soon as you have seeing, you're going to see a thing. So consciousness and form, and then this other aspect called nama, which is when you, you see something, you get an impression, that's perception. And there's an attention that does it, frames it up and there's contact, and, and so on. So all that just is called the co, co-arising, mutual arising. Then mm. the only one you can really kind of separate in, in that is, is um, you, can, you can do something about sankhara. That is, you can deliberately change your attention, you know, 
you can widen your attention, you can change your the volitional push. So that that's the piece that's why that why I'm highlighting is that's the bit you can do something about. Well, if this is helpful, we could kind of go on that all night really. Um, is thought always fabricated? Yep. What about the nature of thought in the mind of an arahant? Arahant fabricates a thought. Fabricated is not pejorative, it just means it's created. So, you know, actually the arahant doesn't, the verbal, the verbal formation does. So, you know, it fabricates a thought. Okay, something a little more down-to-earth, skillful ways of dealing with sankharas of a sensual desire nature. I note that sensual desire as a taint is to be abandoned, removed, and annihilated. So, well, there is ways. One is to see the uh, the object of sense desire, and you can see this as something that's uh, whatever we desire. You know, it's kind of you know taste, touch, food, sex, whatever it is. You see that the object desire itself is is changeable. Um, you, be, you can contemplate the unattractive nature of it, like food looks great till you put it in your mouth, then it's met a mess, you spit it out, you wouldn't want to eat it. Um, so you can contemplate the, the, the limitations of the, of the sense object. You can also contemplate the experience of desire as being quite painful, the pull of it. So that's something else that we can do as humans that you know other creatures can't because of the human. You see a dog; it's just got to go for it. But human consciousness is such you can, because it's viveka capacity where your your attention can widen and pull back. You know, the object, the perception is is triggering away. You know, wow, this is a really great thing. But then you can experience that sense of being triggered. And think, gee, I don't like this. This is like oh, my mind's on fire, you know, being pulled. So once you you can work on the topic of the desire or the experience of desire, sense desire, and then you can close to that. You can deliberately, or just not even attend to things that you, that 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 um, stimulate it. So you can deliberately withdraw your attention. You can look at the unattractive nature of things or the impermanence of things, sense desire, and um, the, the experience of it. And then just experience it when it's not there, how pleasant it is when your mind is not being dragged around by a craving and lust. And, you know, and peace kind of mindful is quite open and light and spacious and free and then when 
senses are hits it, it's just sucked in like a vortex. And it's so um, disempowering, you know, we feel, we can feel so powered by desire, but actually it's very disempowering, you're kind of hooked. And it's addictive, the more you follow it, you don't get gratified, as you notice, we follow a sense desire, there's a moment of gratification, like, oh, that was really nice, that was great, and then uh, another one would be good, you know. Um, <laughs> so there's something quite horrifying when you realize how how addictive and how unsatisfactory it is. Uh, it takes a lot of doing because it is so in the magnetism of it, it just really catches and it's so strongly. We've seen this little video of they experimenting with a rat, I think, where they had this little pleasure button he could push, and it's just really some sort of electrode in his head or something, and he pushed this button, and he'd get this little flash, hit his pleasure centers, and it just couldn't stop pushing this button. Then eventually the rat collapsed out of exhaustion. <laughs> You don't get anything. Well, wow. <laughs> yeah, there's one where they had one, and it had to, in order to get the thing it wanted, had to. They had a, a kind of electrified zinc bridge of like you know several feet long between the rat and this object design. This rat would run across this electrified zinc bridge to get to the you know. Feet burning with pain <laughs> to get to the to get to the object to desire. You know, mm. <laughs> you know what people fight over and cheat over and steal and lie and you know uh, to to in you know in the very uh, undignified <laughs> experience being captured. So we, we, when we see it more closely, then you, you, we realize the, there's a sort of, the Buddha said, it's like the amount of pleasure that a leper gets from scratching his sores. It's a little bit. And then it flares up again. <laughs> Very graphic, but it's kind of what needed. Certainly just we're always desire senses are always th- throws us out of our presence and out of our aware out of our knowing it, it plots it all out it like uh, like a drug and so you know once you've established more the, the, the sense and the ease of being present and being aware then one you feel that whiff of that drug coming in and you think wait a minute let's uh, just pull back (laughs) okay last one here
So, <clears throat> in energetic center line balance, presence, how are these connected? <clears throat> well, they are, they are connected. Um, energetic center line is, is uh, the body has its own electric electricity bio bioelectricity it, it has exists and it it manifests um electric fields or energetic fields that are discernible and detectable you know with you can detect it with instruments you can detect the the energetic field that human bodies have or are in mm. And they kind of sort of radiate around the body to a certain extent in different directions. Um, and in that, there is also uh, a kind of like a, a center line. And the center line um, starts off even when we're just really down to one cell or two cells, and everything is splitting splitting, splitting, it's dividing and it's forming through this it's like a, the center line is like a um, an electronic or a bioelectronic message of forming a center yeah. it's like a signal that's in the electrical field to form a center and then the body will form around that as it grows and uh, experience its sense of centrality through that now your mind doesn't necessarily know that but your body body forms around that that center line and when we feel balanced we're actually when we're feeling balanced what we're really balanced what you what what's happening is that your body's beginning to adjust to the point when um, it's attuning to to the center, to the midline, to the center line. So, in the sense of balance, you really get the feeling of a centrality, and it's not a physical thing. It's a it's a subtle sensed experience. Presence is just a kind of um, the nature of body consciousness, of being conscious, the body being conscious. So when we say what is body consciousness, we'd say well, body consciousness is associated with tangibles. You know, bodies, his bodies don't see or hear. Ears hear, obviously. You know, ears are part associated with the body, but. The physicality, the sense base is, is tangible, the tangibles, right? Now, what does tangible, what does touch do? When you touch something, you get the feeling of it's cold or it's warm or it's soft or whatever it is. So that's the perception that arises from it. But essentially, when you touch something, you find out where you are. You know, I, oh, I'm this bit because I've touched the floor. Oh yeah, I'm here, right? So other than the details of what you're touching, 
the the other effective is it places places me I'm this you know people families feeling a bit kind of spaced out and don't know where they are you put your hands on their shoulder and say you okay Joe you okay Fred and you go, oh right here I am you know the touch locates gives us a sense of location you don't have to think about it it just does it right so the presence is really the the signless or the quality of, of touch so you can touch the thing but the experience of touch transfers a sense of being being present being here location that makes sense So even if we're not in balance, balance is, a, is something other than that. It means you, your presence has become balanced, but your presence can be kind of pretty disordered, but you still feel, you know, you feel that sense of it. And then if you, if you focus on the sense of being present, of presence, then you start to find a sen- an order that comes around. You begin to stabilize. When we lose that sense of presence, we say, I've lost touch. You know, that expression, I've lost touch with reality, I've lost touch with something, means it's no longer, I'm not present. There's a feeling of formlessness and uncertainty. And then, ah, I've got it, I'm in touch, you know. And then, oh yeah, right. And then as you focus on that sense of touch, of being in touch, you calm down and you feel, oh yes, I'm more centered, more steady now. And then the balance comes in within that. It's how the the body consciousness orients to establish um, balance and coherence. And if that's lost, then it gets very disoriented. Imagine if you know if you're out and floating out in a place where there's no gravity. Must be fairly confusing, I would think. Okay, so I hope some of that is helpful. (coughs) One last question, something a little more easy, I think. Well, maybe not. Speak about the meaning and purpose of bowing as you see it. I've had several interpretations. Why three bows, refuges? Indeed. Well, the three bows refer to Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha. That's the that's the three of them. Um, and then bowing is the sign of uh, what what the gesture means. Clearly, is is one is you know, softening and lowering oneself, you know, which was an act of uh, deference to that which we're bowing to. It's an act of respect by by lowering oneself. In this particular 
tradition, and it's sort of quite a very quite a full bow. You're actually kneeling on the floor, bowing. Looks very strange at first. And often Western culture people just kind of decline their head, mm-hmm. their head bow, <laughs> or something like that. Um, so, so that's what it is. By doing that, you are signalling to yourself, well, why don't I, you know, instead of being on top, why don't I quiet and listen to what's going on, you know, to take in. So it's a sense of deference which allows one to to learn and uh, respect is not really, in this instance, not about power or, su- or authority, but the willingness to to learn. So if you feel, well, you know, the Buddha seemed to know more than I do. Uh, I'm willing to learn. And there's that gesture of reminding oneself rather than following my own ideas and impulses. Why don't I just put that on hold, listen up to something else? So that, that's the bowing. It's a sense of my stuff, I'm just quieting down so as I can listen more fully to something else. Uh, it's also associated with um, venerating, and venerating uh, blesses the one who does it. In other words, it's a sign where we feel when you lift something, you get this pleasant feeling in your heart of honouring and praising something. Uh, now, you know, so, so actually there's a, there's a lot of benefit what what the gesture implies is the willingness, the openness, and also the rather pleasing experience of of praising, honouring something, where you, you feel kind of your heart lifts when you really honour something. So that's what it's about. And it sets you, the idea is it sets one up to be in a kind of respectful attention to 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 the teachings. So let's pause there for the evening. <coughs> Anyone?